Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Thrive in EDU podcast. I am Rochelle Danae Poth. This is, let's see, season two, episode 46. So uh, for today, as with all days, it's not like I have a set plan of what exactly I'm going to talk about. And if you have been listening, you've heard me say that before. If this is your first episode, I will tell you it is just me on my podcast sharing uh, ideas, experiences, tools, resources, I don't know, lots of different things, but there are no edits and it is literally just me sitting here recording and sharing ideas and trying to keep it somewhere between, I don't know, I've had some that have been 10 minutes, I've had some, I, I try to make it not more than 15 minutes, but I'm also not usually paying attention to the, to the timer too much either. So somehow I think I just kind of know when it's time to wind down my own conversation. But anyway, I thank you for tuning in. And I hope that as you're listening, if your school year has ended, um, if you're listening after I've just recently you know, posted this, and that would be June of 2021. But if you're catching up on episodes, I hope that as you're listening, you're taking a break and maybe taking a walk or sitting outside or just relaxing. And if not, then make sure that you do that because the most recent episodes, I shared some ideas for taking a break and also for summer learning and the challenge that comes with deciding like, do I take a break? Do I take the summer off or take time off? Do I disconnect? Or do I keep learning and go, go, go? But we've been going for a long time. And um, I've heard people say, yeah, you know, we haven't stopped for 16 months at this point. But we, it's longer than that because we started teaching in August for most of us, some even the end of July of 2019, and headed into the 2019 2020 school year with. I mean, how could we have a clue, right, of what was to come in March of 2020? So we didn't, we haven't been just going for 16 months. We've been going since that school year started, but we definitely have not stopped in that long because we did have a summer break and we had holiday breaks throughout the year. But I know that probably the majority, the strong, like a large majority of us did not actually take them. I do have some friends that said that they did take a break. They turned off notifications on the weekends or they didn't respond to emails or did different things. And uh, I just can't do that. I had to do that one time about a year ago. I was sick for the day and uh, I did not, <laughs> I did not want to hear anything, see anything, anything at all. Uh, I was, I was down for the count and that's, I guess what it takes for me to really disconnect. But I tried to do emails and I couldn't even go to the school to school the next day. Um, it was just not, not good. And I share that with you because like, that's just my own experience. It really is hard for me to stop and take those breaks. But what I have done that kind of counts for me to take a break is I make sure that I get outside or if I have to walk inside somewhere, that's okay too. But like in school, I'll take some walks around the building because I get to see the other teachers and the other and the students. But I make sure that I walk twice a day. Uh, I make sure that I have a list of things like reading, that I practice my guitar, although I've missed a couple days with that. But uh, And then also focus on learning new things or trying new things. So I have a very long list of um, digital tools that I've come across, things that I've used before that I wanted to go back to or things that I've recently heard of. 
and different areas that I've chosen to focus on doing some research in just to keep me going. And that works for me. It doesn't necessarily work for everybody. But for today, in the last episode, one thing that I talked about towards the end was maybe for the summer, you focus on learning something new or different or something that might be even scary to try because there's a lot of things out there. And for me, as a Spanish and STEAM teacher, years ago, I would never have thought of bringing in augmented virtual reality, artificial intelligence, those topics, coding into my Spanish classes. I did some with virtual reality because I've long used Nearpod, which is a fantastic tool for so many reasons, but it has VR. And I used that in my Spanish class, my Spanish three class actually, and it was a game changer. And so from that point, and, and that was probably six years ago now, until now, AR VR is a big area that I cover in my STEAM course. Now, I'm not an expert. Jamie Donnelly is an expert. Uh, she's a good friend of mine, and I love learning from her and having the chance to present with her a lot over the last couple of years, although not since FETC in Miami in 2020. But um, I continue to learn because there is always something to learn out there. So that's an area that I push myself in. Artificial intelligence, another area in Spanish, or even I can see I've had friends in elementary, middle school, friends that teach different content areas say, well, I can't do anything with AR, VR. It doesn't connect to what I'm teaching or with coding or with AI. And we all can. Uh, there's enough resources out there and we can find ways to bring it into our classrooms because we are creative and we are flexible and we can make things work. Um, we've definitely proven that to ourselves over this past year plus. So in the last episode, I talked about computer science and coding, and that is an area, computer science is an area that really is in need of people that have the skills because of the number of jobs that will be available in the not too distant future. Uh, predictions were looking at you know 58 million jobs available in STEM related fields by 2025, which means Okay, four years from now. So we're looking, for me, with my eighth grade students, they will be seniors at that point. So that will be interesting because some students are considering, at least the ones that I've talked to in my classes, are, are not really sure when they graduate if they want to go to a college or if they want to focus on some specific like career training or if they want to take a year off or who knows at this point. Uh, they're young and I, and I know because I've changed my mind so many times. I'm still thinking about what I want to do when I grow up, but it will be beneficial to them if they've had experiences in our classrooms to build some different skills and to see if they like it or if they don't like it, or if it's something that, you know, really sparks a curiosity and interest for them. Because in my course, when I, when I started with AI and some of the coding and things that we were doing, some of the students initially said, I don't have interest in this. I won't be any good at it. I'm never going to use this and all of those things that I actually hear a lot of that in my Spanish class too. So, and I know many teachers hear the same things from our students. And what I try to tell them is that that's okay. You don't have to like everything. You don't have to be great or even good at everything. I said, it's about exploring, trying things, taking opportunities, and then deciding because you've had some experience or interaction whether or not you actually like it or you have an interest in it or deciding based on your own self-assessment, so looking at social-emotional learning and self-awareness, are you good at it and um, is it something that you would like to be better at? So setting some goals and figuring out 
you know, I don't know. Like, I really didn't think that I would like this, but hey, this is pretty cool. And I think I want to keep going with it. So uh, that's something that I decided to focus on for actually the last couple of months, more specifically, because I've been doing this with my students, but even over the summer. And that is bringing in opportunities to learn about computer science, uh, looking at coding, for example. And it is a lot of fun. I, uh, just side note, I never watched Netflix, which was surprising to everybody until this past November. And so I've been watching some different shows. And the latest one I've been watching, because the title of it caught my attention, is Startup. And the whole premise of it is about writing code and having this, uh, it's GenCoin, and similar to Bitcoin, they're talking cryptocurrency. And the young woman in it is, she's writing the lines of code. And, you know, there's hackers. There's a lot, lot more to it than what I'm saying. But I'm fascinated by the, the idea of coding. And I, when I was younger, I would code. Of course, the computers were very different then. We didn't have the capabilities that we have now. But uh, I stopped. And I would do the hour of code in December. But that was it. I didn't go beyond that initial hour of code. And so over the last five or six weeks, I've been involved in a couple discussions on in webinars, actually with Carl Hooker and, and Adam File about computer science and bridging the K-12 equity um, gap and how do we bring more computer science courses, experiences into our schools. And I also had a chance to do a Facebook Live. Actually, it was streamed out. It was on Twitter. It was on Facebook, YouTube with Carl. We talked about the same topic. And so I think part of the problem, at least for me, was one, I didn't know, I didn't realize that it was okay if I brought in opportunities for my students in my Spanish classes to learn about things besides just Spanish. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't taught that way when I took French in high school and French in college. I mean, we learned, went to French class, we learned French, that was it. So that's how I taught. But I've learned that we can bring in these other opportunities and the realization that not all of my students will go on to continue taking Spanish all through high school and in college or will use it in their careers. So I need to give them other opportunities to build skills that they will need in the future. And thinking about your own experience, certainly thinking about mine, I didn't take Spanish in high school. Uh, I didn't think I would be a teacher <laughs> nor an attorney. I never would have imagined I would be teaching about like augmented virtual reality, artificial intelligence, or doing coding and some of these different things. But uh, it's just about the opportunities. And so I love it because it pushes me to learn new things. It's uncomfortable because I don't know all the answers. And sometimes I can't figure out the line of code. And it is super frustrating. But that is a really good way to connect with our students because they're going through the same thing. And so one, like I said, I didn't think that I could bring those opportunities in. So now that I know that I can, that's one maybe potential barrier for some educators. The second is maybe you don't know where to start because there, there are so many things out there. Uh, you know, if you say, oh, I want a game-based learning platform to do a game in my class. Okay, I can name 20 of them for you. Great. All right. <laughs> can you narrow it down? Or if you say, you know, what? I want to start with AR, VR. Okay, there's like thousands of apps out there. Okay, great. We don't have a ton of time to narrow it down. So sometimes it's just about knowing where to start. The other thing, and this may not necessarily be in the same order for you, or some of them may not even be applicable to you either, but I know for myself, it was the, uh, I, it doesn't fit into what I teach. I don't know where to begin. And then, of course, the lack of confidence. I'm not an expert. They might ask me something. I don't know the answer. How many times over the years, whether teaching French or Spanish, students would say, well, how do you say this word? 
in Spanish or French. I, I have no idea. There are words in English that I wouldn't know. And that at first for students is kind of surprising because they said, but, but you're the Spanish teacher. You're the French teacher. I know. Uh, but I don't know what some of those words are in English. Like uh, when I took my, when I got my Spanish certification between two, two, uh, two universities, couldn't even say it, two universities, there are no edits, like I said, then I remember doing some translation for machines and equipment at like a steel mill or looking at legal terms or medical terms. The medical part I got because of the Latin, I could figure it out. And so it's really, it's really helpful when you go to like the doctors now, like they can use the big words. And if you have a language, you're like, oh, I totally get, totally get it. But if you would take me to a factory and you would ask me to name all of the parts of a machine or how something works, I couldn't do it. There's no way I could do it. I, I can't necessarily even name all of the parts inside of a car which is something that I use every single day. So they, you have to be okay with not knowing everything. We, we can't. And teaching a language, I'm like, I don't know the words in English. And I've been speaking English for how many years? So the point is, even though it's uncomfortable to not know the answer, it's okay to not know the answer. Now, 10 years ago, if I would have said that, <laughs> I would have laughed. I said, no, that's not true. I feel totally uncomfortable. Like, how can I not know the answer? But we can't. And so we just need to know enough to get our students started. So for today's episode, which I've, again, I told you, it's not scripted. It is, uh, there are no edits. It is just something that's on my mind for the time being, since I've been thinking about computer science and talking about coding. And since I'm doing some work in those areas myself, I thought I would share some with you because this summer, as maybe you're looking for ways to take a break, Try and learn something new or different that's not the same thing that you've been doing for the last couple of months or the last year at this point. We've looked at ways to assess online for how to connect with students, to build SEL. Um, I could keep going and naming a lot of things. But try something that is out of your normal area of focus or out of your comfort zone. And if you have kids, if you have family members, you know, that are interested in this, like this could be like a family thing too. Why not? So the ideas for today, this focus is on coding and it is something that has been getting more attention with the emphasis, like I said, on computer science and the demand, the growing demand for people to have knowledge in these areas. And so there are a ton of resources, great place to start code.org. Uh, if you want to dive in now, great. If you want to wait till the hour of code happens, computer science week in December, great as well. But the, the whole thing about it is um, the hour of code started because it was showing that anybody can code and also showing how vital computer science is in the world and specifically for the students that we have in our classrooms today because they're the ones that are going to be filling those 58 million jobs, unless it's us, in the future. So if you want to know more statistics, go to code.org and see what they have because they update it all of the time. And um, when I looked at it the last time, they were talking about the number of schools in the United States that do not teach computer science. And I think it was roughly 40% have courses available for students to learn about computer science. And then the other statistics, it was talking about, like I mentioned, the STEM is going to have 58 million jobs available by 2025. 
70 some percent of those are in computing, but there were less than 10% of the graduates that had those skills needed. And so now looking to the future, they're predicting that like the number one source of new jobs, new wages is going to be focused on these computing skills. So students need to lean, need to learn, need to lean, need to learn to code. There are no edits. And um, so should we. So I have been using Blackbird code, which is new. It is through Blackbird. And it's not really Blackboard Education, but I had a chance to talk with their director of education and learn and get a demo of the platform about two months ago. And I've been using it with my students. It is a self-paced. It is, there is free and there is of course the paid. You can have a classroom for teachers with students. It's amazing what it offers. But the fact that it is self-paced, I think the first three stages are available to everybody for free so you can work through it. Each lesson is broken down into tasks and then you can even extend it. So if you write the lines of code and you want to use that as a warm up for yourself or you want to build upon that and change some things, you can do that. You can save everything within the system. And so I have been working through it. The other nice thing about it is if you do get a teacher uh, account and have students join in, there is the messaging, there, there is messaging capability within it. So if students have a question, they can send you the message. You can also see their progress and get stars. Uh, so I would start with code.org. And if you want something that gives you the feedback, because the nice thing about Blackbird is that as you're working, it tells you what to do. You fill in the lines of code. You hit run code. And if it's not right, it tells you in red, like, ah, something's missing. And there is the option as you're working through the lessons uh, for it to show me. You hit show me and it shows you what the code should be. So then you can write it and practice it. You also get the option to go back and redo it or have that marked as like a warm up so you consistently practice that same coding skill and retain it better over time. So that is what I have been working on with my students and myself and I'm gonna work through all of the stages and hopefully finish them by the end of June. Beyond that, depending on you know your interests, you can look at things like Scratch from MIT and they have a lot of things there. It's not just programming, they have you know a library full of resources, there is the MIT App Inventor, so students can create their own apps. Let's see what else. Uh, BrainPop. A lot of people use BrainPop. They have so many different topics as well, but they have a module that is called uh, Creative Coding. And I know that when we used it, they were offering it for free, but it may be part of their paid curriculum now. But if you get a chance to explore that one, whether it's with you, you by yourself or your students, students get a chance to go through and they can make like a stop motion animation movie. They can make memes. They can do newscasts. They can write their own lines of code. And um, it, it helps them to see how just changing some of the words, the lines around changes the program. So that's pretty neat. One of the other ones I used was Hopscotch, which was is an iPad app. I struggled tremendously with this one when I was getting my master's degree and tried to make a game. I thought I, it was all done and then I changed one thing and it totally wrecked the whole program and I, I couldn't figure it out. So I submitted it as it was, did not get the greatest grade, but I had a great time learning about it and then using it in my classroom and being okay with not knowing a ton about it, but learning from my students and watching how fast they figured it out on their own. Uh, there's also, um, let's see here, Girls Who Code, you can go. That's a nonprofit organization that focuses on that gender gap and technology. And so it gives you information. Has uh, They even had coding clubs for like after school clubs 
for girls, I think in grades six through 12. And then they, now I don't know about the summer, but they would offer like a specialized summer program for I think 10th and 11th grade girls to learn about coding and opportunities for careers in coding. Uh, let's see, Khan Academy has a lot of free activities, ways to learn to code at your own pace. And you can even choose, I mean, they have Hour of Code, they have computer animation, they have some basics, they have like single lessons and then really extensive or focus on a specific topic or concept. So you can go through those ones. And then there are some other ones, but I don't want to spoil, I don't want to give you too much. So if you're looking for something to do, I would say, Try something maybe like coding, look at the computer science and see even in your course, like how could you connect coding with what you teach? Because it's not just the writing the program. Uh, it is also about creating opportunities for students and for ourselves to build relationships, to learn together, but focusing on those essential skills that we've been talking about, those 21st century skills, it's now 2021, the problem solving, the collaboration, the critical thinking, the creativity, and also coincidentally looking at, you know, what are the skills that employers want? They want students to be able to be creative and to break down problems, solve problems, create problems to be solved. Uh, we look at, you know, reasoning, emotional intelligence, and then we got the social emotional learning in there. But at any rate, I think it's a fun thing to do. So you can maybe try to stretch yourself a little bit and explore coding. I would check out Blackbird because it is, it's very, um, it gives you a nice positive reinforcement. It also gives you the support if you are not figuring it out. If you're looking for a new show on Netflix, um, startup, but it's not, the whole show is not just about the coding, but that's kind of the underlying premise of it. So it is pretty interesting, but at any rate, those are my ideas for today. And you definitely need, this one's a longer episode. Wow. You need to take a break from my podcast right now and uh, get outside, take a walk, take a nap, do something different, try some coding. And if you do, I would love to hear about your experience. Or if there is a coding program that you're using, I would love to hear that about that as well, because I keep adding to my list. I want to bring in new opportunities for my students and continue to push myself. So Anyway, with that, I will end this a little bit longer than normal episode, but uh, maybe I'll take a break <laughs> next week. I'll count this as like a two, two episode, um, gigantic episode. So thank you for listening. I will catch you next time. And as always, please join our Thrive in EDU community on Facebook. We go live on Mondays and Fridays. It's a great space to connect and share what you're doing and see what others are doing as well. So thank you. Have a great day.